Psychology Nerds. Welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast on psychology out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, host of Psychology and Stuff, and I'm here again with my friend, my buddy, my pal, chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungess. How's it going, G? You know, it is going quite well. Um, I have to say that I, I feel like I've gotten a new job. Do you want to know what that is? Being my friend? Because it's you know, so much work? Is that... That's an old job. Okay. But it's always <laughs> well, been a lot of work. Okay, I do want to hear about your new job. It's an old, uncompensated job. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I have become my neighborhood's cool, like, grandma slash um, recess person. Like, what? I, okay. because, you know, like, schools transitioned in my city, uh, to being all virtual now, I have um, been leading kickball games and other cool outside activities uh, for all of the kids, of which there are a ton of kids mm -hmm. in my neighborhood on my on my block. And so, I have a new job. I'm like a recess lady. That's awesome, and I can yeah. see you being super super good at that. I, I feel like I feel like I am. I feel like. <laughs> I didn't, and we're going to talk with our guest today about interviewing for jobs, and <laughs> I'm just going to say, they didn't interview me, I just sort of got the job. <laughs> yeah, I, I would really be terrible at that job. Like, I don't, I think I'm way too controlling to, uh, to be a successful recess person. <laughs> I, I, I ruin every game kids try to play by really actively enforcing the rules. Yeah. Um, so, so you're like a fun sucker, basically. Yeah. So what yeah. we need to do when we when we get to our guest is ask him uh, about the about how he would interview uh, to find out which of us would be better. Like, because I want to know. <laughs> he already knows now that that you're better at this than I am. But if he didn't know that, what sorts of questions would he have asked? So that is a, a great um, thing. Just let's. Uh, to should we ask. should we talk to Hunter for a second too? Um, yep. Hunter, how's it going? Going wonderful. Good. And speaking of interviewing, you were telling us you got a new job. I'm happy uh, happy to hear that. That is very cool. Yep. Back at back at Best Buy. I've been okay. there on and off repeatedly for a while, but they oh. called me back awesome. in. Awesome. Okay. So does so, that mean if I ever have computer problems, then you are the person I'm supposed to ask? Oh yeah, you along with my entire family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that answer was beautiful for two reasons. One, I have a person to go to. And two, I've become your family. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're in the eye there. Oh, that's, that's all they use me for, tech support. That is, I am appreciative of knowing you have these skills. So, all right. Specialized in cell phones. Oh, that is helpful. Good. That is very good to know. Yeah. I will be asking you about the new update soon. <laughs> That's great. All right. So, G, we have a great guest today that we should get to here. So he's an industrial and organizational psychologist in the Austin E. Conference School of Business here at UW-Green Bay. His research on interviewing, which we've already hinted at, has been widely recognized most recently when he was awarded the Philip J. and Elizabeth Hendrickson Professorship for Business. He has a PhD in IO psychology from Texas A&M University and currently directs the STARS research team with about 10 undergraduate psychology and business students. It's Dr. Alan Huffcutt. How are you, Alan? 
I am doing great, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. <laughs> I'm so thankful to have you here. Um, you know, we've been working together for, so remind me when you started at GB, because it feels like just yesterday, but I'm starting to think, no, it's been a little longer than that. This is- No, actually, this is the second year. I started okay. last fall, 2019. Well, and last year was a little unusual, as we know, from uh, from oh, <laughs> when it comes to pandemic teaching. So, uh, so well, welcome to the show. Um, so glad to hear. And also, I guess, welcome to GB, because even though it's been a year, it's it's been less than a year in some ways. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so... I want to talk a little bit about um, now. One of the things I noticed you you sent me some info about you. So you are from the area. So even though you yes. you've spent some time elsewhere and you got your degree yes. in Texas A&M, you're from Wapaka. I am indeed. In fact, I'm there right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. So tell me about this research on uh, on uh, interviewing and some of the things you've done there. Oh, oh, of course. I love to talk research and I love to talk in employment interviews. So uh, my areas uh, of expertise are really uh, sort of selection. So it's the process of recruiting and hiring new employees. And um, a part of that, an integral part of that has always been interviews. Uh, it's almost inconceivable to be hired. Well, okay, Gene's the exception now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's almost inconceivable to be hired in our modern day without some type of interview. So um, I've looked at a, a number of things in the selection process, uh, including like personality, mental ability, uh, but interviews are what I keep coming back to. I'm just absolutely fascinated by the interview process and all its nuances. And that's where I've sort of focused the bulk of my research. So what are, what are some of the things that you think maybe um, have changed since I'm imagining a lot of the interviewing process oh, during yes. the pandemic has gone virtual. Do you think that the, some of the things that you've learned about interviewing um, through your research um, still apply or are, are they changed? Uh, and what are some of those uh, things that you've discovered in the interviewing process? Oh, that's a great question, Gene. And I'm going to answer like I'm a politician. Yes and no. <laughs> so how's <was> that? <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, things are changing uh, with COVID uh, and international globalization. Uh, interviews are no longer strictly face-to-face -face in person. 10, 20, 30 years ago, it was almost automatic that you did an in-person interview. And now uh, that's all changing. Um, platforms like Skype have become real common. Uh, there's even a newer one, uh, which is just very, very recent called asynchronous interviewing. And, I wanted to talk about this. I, I keep going, oh, but I want yeah. to tell you a funny story about that. Okay, yeah. So. Um, Imagine um, it's your, you set up an interview and you get a web link and you log on and there's a virtual person greeting you and that virtual person explain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> explains the interview and asks you the questions and you respond and it's all taped and then when you're done it's sent back to the people in the company to evaluate. 
That's the latest trend. I don't know if I like it or not. I can, Gene, I can tell your reaction. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. So, so <laughs> I, was just, I was just watching a, a show, actually, a, like an improv comedy show, where they were interviewing people in the audience, and one of their audience members told them about a, a, essentially exactly what you're describing, and it's yeah. the first I've ever heard of it. So I was literally just about to ask you about it. But it, yeah. I, I, I mean, the jury is, at least in my mind, is still out on whether or not this oh, is a good thing. But Absolutely. And applicants don't tend to like it as much uh, because most job applicants, well, they, they like to, you know, kind of impress. They like to put on a show. Uh, they like to create a really good impression. Uh, and uh, that's just a lot more difficult if it's not a live interviewer. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, applicants don't tend to like them as much. Now, whether they predict performance on the job as well as person, that's what's out. The, the jury I, I is- I think like with our, our artificial intelligence that you could program the artificial interviewer to, yeah. um, to customize the questions based on the responses. And yes. I, I think it could be very efficient. Yeah. Uh, it would be particularly cool if me as the interviewer could pick like an avatar uh, yes. that is uh, the, the robot that's uh, so I could pick like somebody that I think is really great and supportive and, and yeah. put their face there. And then I feel like I'm interviewing with them might be yeah. a good thing. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good question. I uh, I like it. I, I could see you as like a like a Marvel superhero, Gene. <laughs> your, your avatar. <laughs> there you go, Wonder Woman. I am. That's probably not Marvel, but that's okay. That, that's well, that's okay. okay you, yes, you can be eco warrior. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There yeah. You go. So I, you know, I, I don't know where this is headed, but I think that's the future. And, and there's actually a, a small number of folks who are taking it to the next step and doing, like you said, artificial intelligence. They're trying to develop uh, like algorithms to pick up on keywords so that they can actually do an evaluation of the interview before it even hits a live person. <laughs> Absolutely, I can see that, that yeah. happening. Yeah, so that's coming. <laughs> so I'm Good gonna, or bad, it's coming. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to share a story quick that is not really tied to anyone we currently work with. So, uh, so I think it'll be okay. Um, but I, I was once involved in an interview where we, there were three people who were interviewed and um, I did not care for one of them. And then that person was hired and they turned out to be great. Ah. Um, and I started to really doubt myself so much so that the next time we were hiring for someone, I, I kind of thought, well, I shouldn't participate. I obviously suck at this. So yeah. what, I guess, is it, are there, I guess, I don't know, big question. Are there people who are just sort of naturally bad at it? Is this a yes. one-off? How does yeah. it, you know, how does it fit? Or okay. What, what uh, that's actually very common, believe it or not. Um, the interview dynamic is very subject to impression management. And, you know, some people are just naturally gifted at, you know, looking great, sounding great, energetic, creating a fabulous impression, just sounding like they're the most wonderful thing uh, in the world, and yet they don't work out on the job. And that's because the interview dynamic does not match 100% with the job dynamic. 
So you can be flashy and fantastic in the interview and not so good on the job. And conversely, you can be like kind of quiet and reserved and, you know, not particularly great in the interview dynamic, but yet on the job, you'd be fantastic. So part of the job of the interviewer, which, and I'll admit a lot of interviewers don't do this well, is to kind of isolate you know, what part of that interview dynamic really relates to the job and how much of it is just sales. And, and that's tough. That is a real tough thing for an interviewer to kind of separate those. So I, I wonder, um, I, we hear from a lot of, you know, college graduates, like recent college graduates who are interviewing for jobs. And I hear them complain all the time about a question that they're interviewed, like, what color M&M would you be? Or if you were oh, an animal, what would you yeah. be? Tell me about, tell me about oh. that as an interview strategy. And what color M&M would you be, Alan? <laughs> um, well, let me, answer, let me answer that last part first. I would be the nut inside the M&M. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but uh, I cringe when I hear questions like that. I really cringe. And... That's a lot of the problem with, with interviewing is interviewers ask these questions that, uh, well, two problems. One is that, you know, they ask questions that people already know are coming and they have fantastic answers. You know, tell me your strengths and weaknesses. Well, kids nowadays, or I guess adults, you know, they pop on the internet and say, uh, tell me great answers to common questions. They look it up and they're prepared. Uh, and it's just, you know, it, it becomes a game. And you really don't learn much meaningful about how they would actually be on the job. And uh, so that's one problem. And these questions like, what animal would you be? I, I mean, give me a break. What are you really getting, you know, when you ask something like that? You know, you can imagine it, it, somebody sitting there thinking, okay, should I say a lion because, you know, aggressive, strong? Or is that going to come off too strong? So maybe I'll go with a... Uh, a cheetah, you know, sleek and fast. Uh, so they're thinking this. And, and once again, what are you learning about how they're actually going to be on the job? In most of the case, you don't. <laughs> like the projective assessment of, uh, of interviewing. So yeah, exactly. So, so many interviewers ask these questions that just are, uh, now there are better question types available. And so what are those? that's, that's the good news, um, is that there's actually two. And they're not perfect, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're a whole lot better. Uh, the first is a past behavior type question. And uh, in the literature, the interview literature, they're called behavior description. In business and industry, they're actually often called STAR. Coincidentally, same name as the research group. Uh, STAR questions, uh, situation, task, action, result. So like if I was hiring a supervisor, I could ask a question, tell me about a time you led a group of people to you know, uh, achieve a great success, overcome a difficult problem. Tell me about a time you were able to motivate somebody who was struggling, uh, those types of questions. So those are great, they're not perfect. Uh, in fact, our current research project with my, my undergraduate research team, which again, coincidentally, is called the stars. Um, uh, 
is, uh, is looking at uh, gender and race effects on those past experiences. So our, our kind of working hypothesis is that, um, well, let, let's just use one of those, uh, you know, dealing with a difficult employee. So over the course of time, somebody's going to have really great successes. They're going to have absolute failures and a whole bunch in between. So we're going to look at those past experiences as forming an actual statistical distribution. And if you remember your statistics, which you guys I'm sure are fantastic at, you know, especially, yeah, yeah, you know, you have a width and you have a center. So we're going to look at things like, you know, take gender. Is is the width the same for women as it is for men? Now, if they're both granted equivalent opportunities in the workplace, they should be. If they're not, our hypothesis is that the, the, the distribution of past experiences for women will not have that high end, the real rich experiences. And so the width will be narrower and then the center will be dragged down. So that's kind of our working hypothesis, but uh, but uh, so that's our current fall project, which we're just now getting started with. But anyway, how so are you collecting those data in these crazy times. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I just submitted a GIAR application through UWGB grants and native research. So I requested $900, which is the max, so that we can run participants on an online platform, something like uh, MTurk, if you're familiar with MTurk, I'm sure you guys are, uh, which is the uh, appendage to Amazon. And so we will set the whole thing up to run itself, which, and that's gonna be a ton of work because there's a lot to it, but we'll set it up and then we pay participants to jump on and, and do it. So that's, that's our goal. Um, this is a first for us. It's a first for me, personally. Um, I've always run, run, run participants in person. Uh, now, parts online, but I've never run an entire study online. And so this is new territory for me. <laughs> That is and, you know, <laughs> the course lately, right? We're all doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I know Zoom was seven months ago. Yeah. So. Oh, heavens. Yeah, exactly. Me too. So, yeah. but there is an advantage actually in, in that, you know, if I were to run in person, I'd be looking at either students or Green Bay area by going virtual. I could pull people from, wow. I mean, Anywhere on the globe, I could pull participants from. So the, the, the advantage is I could end up with a really nice, diverse data set. And that just could add some real interesting aspects to it. So I'm curious because, I, you know, my, my background's in counseling psych. Yeah. And, you know, so a very different sort of interview, but we're trained in clinical interviewing, yes. uh, you know, with and so very different, but in some ways the same, right? You're using this, this approach yeah. to predict a, an outcome, uh, yes, a particular exactly. outcome. And one of the things I'm thinking as I, as I talk to you is, um, or as I kind of hear you talk about this, is how one of the things we always say in, in counseling psych is you need more sources of data. That the best yeah. way to make that conclusion is to not just have an interview, but have some assessments, have yeah. some external yeah. records and things like that. I assume that's probably true in your area as well? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's reason why I had to request the whole 900 was <laughs> that we got a whole bunch of other things. Uh, we're going to collect personality. Okay. Uh, big five personality, uh, work history, number of supervisory jobs, uh, engagement, level of engagement and how enthusiastic they are. Uh, so we actually um, have been putting together kind of a conceptual model to lay out all the variables. And then we're going to start, and the students are, are doing this along, you know, along with me, which is kind of the neat thing is um, a lot of those variables we have to create our own questions for. No, like the personality test, we're just pulling the, the 10 question big five inventory, you know, Oliver John, uh, his brief version. So we're just pulling that from, from him. But for a majority of our variables, there's no existing measures. So they're actually going to be creating the items, which is really, really fantastic experience. <laughs> That is a great experience, especially as a young person. Yeah. And it, it makes me think about your early, um, like something that I know about uh, you as you weren't always on the psychology track. And oh, no. um, I, I think it's interesting to imagine like how you are providing experiences in psychology that you probably wish you had uh, when you were in college. So tell us a little bit about how you kind of found your way serendipitously oh. <laughs> to psychology. Yeah, that's a great story. Uh, now, well, Paca is a small town, as you know. Um, when I grew up, it was like 5,500. And actually, it's only 6,000 now. So it, it hasn't changed all that much. But, you know, small town high school, uh, guidance counseling was, um, well, let, let's just say not very sophisticated. So Basically, um, sort of the mantra was, well, if you're good in math, great, go into engineering. <laughs> and so that's what I heard. And so I went to UW-Madison, went into engineering, and I did like the math and science, don't get me wrong, but, uh, and, I, and I love statistics, so that part I carried over. But, uh, so I go there, you know, get my degree, I, I take a job at General Electric and start, you know, kind of going to different plants across the United States and and, you know, like four or five years out, I start to realize, uh, you know, this is okay. I, I, I like it, but I don't love it. And, you know, and it, when you get up in the morning and you look yourself in the mirror and, and ask yourself, do I really want to go in today? Am I really excited about going to work? And when you start being honest and, and answering no, which I, I was, and it's like, okay, you know, I can either tough this out for the next 40 years, which does not sound like fun, or time for a change. So that's when I made a change. Um, I was always interested in people, the people aspect of businesses. And so I started looking in the industrial organizational human resource areas and ended up uh, down in Texas for grad school. And uh I never look back. Um, I can honestly say I can get up in the morning now and look in the mirror and say, are, are, am I excited to do what I'm doing? And the answer is yes. And, and that's so awesome. And I think also one of the, the, the misconceptions about psychology that your story addresses is that a lot of people think psychology is not a science or oh, they've never used your math or your science skills, but, uh, 
psychology oh. is a psychological science and yes. you're using all of the skills you were using as an engineer yeah. just instead of on a product you're yeah. doing it with people <laughs> you could not be more correct uh boy i mean yeah <laughs> psychology uh yes analytic problem solving statistical oh boy if anybody doubts that have them take one of the psych department stat courses and, and they will they will see the light i can <laughs> attest <it> me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Boy, and, you know i i love that part of it actually you know i really love the fact that it's so problem oriented uh and so statistical so analytic um that that really attracts me. And that's probably what I brought with me from the engineering side, but uh, never look back. Um, best, one of the handful of best decisions I've ever made in my life. Along, with, oh, go ahead. along with moving to uh, Green Bay. That was one <laughs> of the <laughs> well, that's the other thing I, I wanted to mention too, that, you know, uh, the, the other side of, of your story that I think jumps out at me is that you found, a, you know, most people, when they think of psychology, they oftentimes gravitate towards the, the mental health side, you know, and, and thinking about, and as we know, most of our students don't go that route, you know, in no. the end, they actually work in, in areas more similar to where you're working, right, or yes. where you're working, but where you're studying, I mean, most are, 60% of our majors end up in business. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think by exploring and us talking about uh, IO Psych, we're really pointing that out to people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I wish we could change that in the general public because too many of them still think, oh yeah, psych, sure. Lay down on a couch and ask me about your childhood. Yeah. You know, so, but that is such a boy. Yeah. I wish we could change that. It is changing, but it, I just mm -hmm. wish we could change that faster. But, but yeah, you're right. So many psych students end up in business and working for business and industry. And it's just, uh, and industrial organizational is the study of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually wanted to point out, I didn't do the thing. I, I neglected my host duties right out the outset, and I didn't ask you to define I.O. for people. Because, oh. uh, that is a thing that I think consistently people don't, it's an area that people don't necessarily know. So could you throw out a definition for us? People have probably figured it out by now, but it'd be helpful. Oh, hey, absolutely. So it's... Um, the application of psychology, psychological principles to the workplace. So like to give you an example, um, personality, I, I love the study of personality. It is just a neat, as you guys do, I, I suspect as well. But um, like, like consider a, a managerial position. We can look at personality traits and find what makes for the optimal manager and like, for example, one of the big five traits is agreeableness. <clears throat> and research consistently finds that the best managers are often slightly disagreeable. Now, that may be a little counterintuitive. Yeah, a little counterintuitive <laughs> at first glance. But, you know, we don't want managers to be like highly agreeable pushovers. We want them to, you know, kind of have a stiff spine and, you know, kind of not automatically give in. But then again, we don't want them so disagreeable that they come across negatively and people avoid them. So there's sort of a sweet spot there with that big five trait, you know, just slightly on the disagreeable side. Um, and so that's, that's an example of application of psychology to, um, to the workplace. Um, conscientiousness is another neat application. Uh, typically conscientious people, and it, 
it's not honesty, although it's related, but conscientiousness, as you guys know, is not necessarily honesty. It's adherence to rules. It's doing things completely, you know, and not leaving loose ends. Uh, this is why I'm a, a terrible recess uh, yes. leader, Georgina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I make them follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, I can see, yeah. I think I can, those two traits, like agreeableness and conscientiousness, are why I am a great coordinator yeah. in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I suspect so, yeah. Well, if you give out treats, let me know, and I'll come and pretend to be a kid. <laughs> yep, well, I'm going to say that come on over. <laughs> Social distancing. She'll toss it to you. Social distancing. Yeah, she'll throw. yeah. But it, it, interestingly, though, there, there's sort of a negative side to being highly conscientious, and that's that people who are highly conscientious um, sometimes aren't as creative. And, and sometimes in the workplace, it's the less conscientious who find ways around things who kind of sometimes like save the day and have the big success. Somebody who doesn't necessarily follow the rules um, every dot and period kind of finds ways around and shortcuts and be creative. So, I, I mean, conscientiousness is great, but there is, you know, a limitation of it in, in select situations. So, but that's another example of how we take psychology and we apply it to the workplace. So that's really kind of the nature of I.O. I want to hear about um, uh, some of the students you're working with. Tell us a little bit as we kind of finish up here about the stars uh, yeah. that you're working with. You got right now, I see you've got about 10 students. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And they're a great group and they're a pretty good mixture of psychology and business. Um, I'm very fond of psychology, as you might guess, you know, my degrees in it, my previous position was in a psychology department. Uh, I just love psychology and psychology folks. Uh, so roughly half of them are psych and half are business. Um, they're all interested in being involved in the research process, gaining experience. And a big component that I really stress is presenting, presentation skills. So um, part of the STARS group, we set goals, specific goals. And like one of those is to uh, submit something to the annual Midwestern Psych Association Conference, MPA. Mm -hmm. um, Academic Excellence Symposia is uh, another goal. Uh, ERSCA, the UW system-wide, um, we, we might hit that. Unfortunately, that was the same weekend as MPA last year. But um, so we, yeah, so they get pretty much the whole ball of wax experience right from uh, conceptual development of the idea to measure creation, uh, pilot testing, running participants, data collection, data compilation, data analysis, and then actually presenting results. So it's a fantastic experience. Yes, they're very sound. fortunate as undergraduates to have that experience. So um, I know that they are grateful uh, for the experience and so are we because our our students get to be yeah. so much more prepared for what comes after college yeah. when they do experiences like that oh yeah yeah exactly and I you know I'm grateful for those students they're they're so great so energetic um, and I just absolutely love working with them <laughs> 
tons of good ideas for sure. Do you, oh, do you have any final questions as we wrap up? I, I don't. I really, I, I'm just still smiling about your M&M uh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep that one in my back pocket. If ever I have to interview and they ask me that question, I'm going to steal your answer. <laughs> you know, so here's the thing. I, I do have more questions, but they're so, they're like another episode. So what I'd like to do is have you back on someday because I, I was sure. actually thinking as we talked about this, it would be fun to do a whole episode on sort of tips for interviewers and tips for interviewees that are essentially science-based, data-driven suggestions. Oh, I would love to do that. Well, let's do that at some point, uh, maybe in the spring. I I was going to ask it, but then I felt like, you know, we're running out of time, and I want to make sure we do this big question justice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Love to do it, especially if if Gene gives me candy. (laughs) (laughs) I will do my best. All right, so as we finish up here, Georgina and I have a new segment where we end every episode on a positive note. So for today's positive note, we are gonna talk about some fun things that we've been doing during the pandemic that we wouldn't have otherwise done. So I guess for for context, we should acknowledge that Georgina and I are taking the social distancing thing probably more seriously than than most Wisconsinites, it would appear. That we are more or less uh, still quarantining in, in a lot of ways, doing most a lot of our work remotely, which has meant, I think, some uh, creativity from us regarding sources of fun. Is that a fair way of putting it, G? Yes, I think that's a very fair way of, of putting it. <laughs> so, do you want to go first or should I? I think you should go first. Okay, so I actually, um, I, one of my best friends just had a birthday. Uh, he turned 45 uh, over, the, over the weekend. And um, we, he's been my best friend since eighth grade. Um, we, we met in junior high when he started at the same school I was at. And um, we, we don't get to see each other very often, but we especially don't. He lives in Minnesota. We especially don't see each other very often right now. And, um, and so he, for his birthday, planned a game uh, a game night, a virtual game night for me and one of my other best friends from high school. And we played this game that I'm guessing other people have heard of, but I had never heard of. It's called Among Us. Oh, uh, so, yes. So two were okay. I, I, I had knew a feeling Hunter was going to do it. It's, you know, it's hard to sort of do justice, but basically it's you and your friends, you and the other players are quote unquote crewmates. You're on a ship. And you have tasks you have to do. You have to save the ship. But you all have your own like set of tasks that you're given at the beginning. The tasks are all very easy. It's just go to a place, push a button, something like that. One of you, and you find out in each game, the games only last a couple minutes, depending on how good you are. Um, but one of you is an imposter. And your job is to uh, kill and sabotage. That is your only task. So you find other players, and when you are alone with them, uh, you kill them if you want to, um, and or you sabotage the ship. Um, what the the crewmates are then trying to do is figure out who's trying to sabotage them and kick that person off the ship. So every now and then you call an emergency meeting, uh, which, by the way, Georgina knows me well enough to know I do not care for meetings, uh, especially emergency <laughs> ones. And so... 
you call an emergency meeting and you get a chance to talk it out with the rest of the crew uh, about what, who you think you should vote for, who you think the bad guy is, why you think that. They, of course, don't necessarily have a good reason to trust you because you could be the, the saboteur. Uh, in fact, sometimes the saboteur does call the emergency meeting just to throw people off the scent. Um, and then if you vote, and if you vote someone off, they float out into space. Uh, and then you find oh, out if you were right. Oh, they get eaten by sharks. Yes. That's what you're supposed to say. Yes, that's what true. Kind that of would be great. Why are you? <laughs> so we were on a spaceship, not a watership. But uh, <laughs> you're right. I wish we were on a watership. No, so it was quite honestly, I have two last things to say. I've been going on too long. One, it was one of the most fun nights I've had in the last seven months. We had a blast. Um, it, it was really, we laughed a ton. It was great. But then two days later, I'm scrolling through Instagram. I'm checking out reels on Instagram and I see an Instagram video from a stranger that is spoofing uh, this game. And it's hilarious. It's super funny. And one of the things that occurred to me is that, um, in fact, I'm gonna send it to you, Hunter. I want you to share it with people so they know what I'm talking about. Um, All right. One of the things that was so funny to me about it is that two days ago, I would have, or uh, Saturday morning, I would have had no idea what they were talking about at all. I wouldn't have gotten it at all. But because I played this game, it enriched my life in this whole other way where I thought it was so funny. I looked through and I started like looking at what other stuff this guy has done. Um, I shared it with my friends who both loved it as well. Like, so it's just this thing that, you know, sort of a silly activity and never would have done otherwise that's been giving me pleasure and uh, enriching my life in other ways. So there you have it. That's my, my positive note. Wow. And that, and that is super cool. And I think my positive note is really related to that. Um, is it, it, it's related to technology. And I think one of the most fun things that I did, and it's kind of more, way more geeky than yours. Um, I gave this lecture, this really huge lecture to like more than 3000 students through Oregon State University's punching through pandemics, um, massively open course. And that was one of the most exhilarating yet terrifying things that I've done. So sometimes it's good to like get out of your like comfort zone, you know, like and do something really big. And I would have never had the opportunity to you know, like lecture in front of 4,000 students, you know, like in, in my previous life. But now I've done things like that. I think it's really, it's just cool how it brings us together um, in a virtual sense uh, that we can be together with people from miles away who we would never interact with. And I think that that's awesome too. And I, and I think an interesting way that the thing that both of these have in common, like you said, they're related is that it's embracing a tool that existed before but that we didn't use very often right and so these games they existed before but i didn't play them this the the technology to do what you're describing existed before but i didn't you know we didn't use it and um yeah. and so i if we're looking for silver linings and i am often these days uh this is uh this is one of them so very yeah. very cool and congrats g that's huge that's a huge thing yeah. to do so that is I'll give Hunter the link and you can watch it too. <laughs> oh, awesome. Excellent. We will share that. Uh, very good. So another quick thank you to our intern, Hunter. You can see his work firsthand if you give us a follow at Psych and Stuff, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 
That is a good place to ask questions, request topics for episodes, contribute to our new segment, A Positive Note. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RyeCMarks. Georgina, your handle is? Georgina WD, so it's G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D. Very good. And you know, uh, I want to bring back our guest real quick. Alan, I just want to say another heartfelt, heartfelt thank you for being on the show. This is really cool. Um, people can learn more about you at your website uh, at UWGB uh, in the business school, correct? Yes, absolutely correct. Yeah. Or contact me directly. Very good. So um, super nice talking to you. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. The executive producer is me, Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salick. Our sound engineer for this episode is Sarah Miller. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Bleese, and our intern is Hunter Garretts. Special thanks to our guest today, Dr. Alan Huffcutt. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwtv.edu slash podcast, to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dundas. Keep being amazing.